raspy. I only did one, but I'm just kidding. I didn't do it. I don't smoke at all. No, um, <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. to the UCAST. We are your hosts, Tracy and Emily, and today we are recording from Tracy's home studio. No matter where we are, we're here with you to continue the conversations we are having with youth and young adults. We'll talk about anything and everything from matters of the church to what books we're reading, and we're going to keep talking, but it's up to you if you keep listening. And as much as we love to hear ourselves talk, we want you to join in the conversation with us. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore UCAST or email us at theucast at gmail.com. And today we are going to talk to Daniel Donaldson. So Daniel, if you'll just tell us who you are and what your role is at Crosspoint Fellowship. Sure. Uh, well, I'm Daniel Donaldson. Let's see. Uh, me, I, um, who am I? All right. Who are you? I, okay. Who are you, Daniel? It's such a deep question. I know. So, well, this is um, going to be a great interview. <laughs> I know it's going to be amazing. I, uh, Thirty minutes. I of sound who like Daniel Donaldson. Smoke yeah. so much. My voice is so raspy. Raspy. I only did one, but I'm just kidding. I didn't do it. I don't smoke at all. No. Um, <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah. So let's see. I am at the church. I am the youth Sunday school director, um, and I've been that for. A few months. I don't know exactly. Not it's a year a, it's yet. A longer, I'm sure. It's longer but than a few months. Yeah, it feels like it's been a long time a in a good way. But uh, yeah, maybe a year, maybe close to a year. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, so I have four kids. I'm married. Um, How long have you been married? Ooh, twenty. Ha! <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Unless I'm wrong, but my wife's not here to correct me. Right. So yeah, twenty years. It's amazing. So we, we've known each other for a long time. We sure have. I, I remember the first time I met Daniel. So I was serving at the University of North Texas, the Baptist Student Ministry. I went in as a, an intern. It was a semester before Greg and I got married. Mm-hmm. And Daniel came in and he was just this little twig, mm-hmm. this little skinny twig. Oh, that's so skinny. Still is. And no. um, sure. of course, this is going to surprise you, Emily, but he had on these crazy socks. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sure from and then from there you know the rest is history basically yeah. so he and Greg met each other shortly after Greg and I got married mm-hmm. um that semester and then uh his wife Leanne transferred in from um a, a private uh Christian school and um she had been there and then wasn't invited back I believe was the story the feeling the story was mutual yes. <laughs> yes. and so she um they they were you know Love at first sight, maybe. I don't know. Pretty well, close. I mean, for me, it was. For her, it just took her long, longer to realize it. Didn't help it how much there. she loved you. That's yeah. right. That's but right. we met them as students. So they were both students at University of North Texas. Okay. And Greg and I were there. And then we just hung out a lot. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. So there, there you go. So tell quickly, Daniel, you said youth study school uh, director. What yes. does that look like at Crosspoint Fellowship? And kind of describe your philosophy and your role in that, with that, how that plays out. Sure. So I think that, uh, well, I became the youth Sunday school director at kind of a transitional time um, where we 
didn't have a youth director per se, right? We had somebody, uh, I think one of the staff and then maybe one of the elders where this was sort of under their umbrella, but among other things. So we didn't really have someone who could fully focus on the youth. Um, and so then whenever I became the youth Sunday school director, uh, for me at that time, the biggest thing that I wanted to bring was just some consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there was just, I mean, it's all volunteer, right? And right. what happens with a lot of volunteers is that, uh, you, anyone who's willing to stand up can go teach, mm-hmm, yeah. right? Um, and not that that's bad, but it also means that there's not a lot of direction on, hey, here's kind of our goal for each morning. Here's mm-hmm. what we want to make sure we talk to the kids about. Here's the things that we want to make sure we talk every week about because we want to nurture some things. And so that was, uh, I didn't want to become the sole teacher. I just wanted to bring kind of more of a philosophy there. So First thing that we did was we just kind of split everything up our times, right? So we said, okay, during this time, we're going to do this. This time, we're going to do this. This time, we're going to do this. Um, And then um, I think, yeah, so I'm really kind of focusing on structural. But as far as the teaching went, um, I think it's really hard to teach volunteers and have a standard, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It's very difficult because they're volunteering, right? right. Um, they This isn't their job. And the more standards or structure you put on them, the more time that they have to give. So it's gotta be simple, it's gotta be easy. Um, and yet at the same time, you wanna also have a standard. Um, and so one of the easy things that I thought would be good um, for this age, I think your brain is just now coming online to mm-hmm. really kind of wrestle with deeper questions. and maybe be honest about some of the questions you've always had and didn't quite understand. And so I think that Sunday school um, has become a time where we can, one, ask questions, right. um, and then number two, just challenging the students on how to think critically about the scriptures, yes. right? Yeah, thinking um, for yourself in yeah. a way that doesn't disrespect your parents necessarily because they're course, helping you yeah. figure out how to think, but creating the space to go, oh, yeah. wait, I have questions too. Yes. Yeah, and that it's okay. I think that um, I, I didn't grow up in the church, uh, but I did attend some youth uh, events towards high school and stuff. And I remember talking with some people who seemed to be afraid even just to ask questions. Um, and I think that's one of the, the things that uh, I, I we talk about philosophy, right? Like that you can ask questions. It's good to ask mm-hmm. questions. It's right to ask questions. In fact, one of the Sunday school classes that I sat in on uh, months ago, it was it may have been the last one before the we were in isolation for COVID, um, was you you were asking the question of how this one you know biblical character asked questions and it was considered you know, it was kind of alarming and disrespectful. And then this other person asked questions and it wasn't. And so kind of even walk, you, you kind of tease that out to have them ask the question, how can I ask a question Mm -hmm. of God or of authority or anyone that is not, that's, that's couched the right way. So I want to stop real quick and ask this question because I think it's probably influenced how you're teaching today. You said that you didn't grow up in the church. Talk Mm. us through a little bit of that about when you were a child kind of what everything looked like. And then um, mm-hmm. when did church um, become important to you? You said you visited a couple times with someone or mm-hmm. when did you make yeah. your faith your own? When did you trust Christ? Mm-hmm. All of that. Yeah. Um, so my childhood home um, was not particularly religious, not religious at all, really. Um, my parents, they ended up getting divorced when I was in college. But <clears throat> prior to that, I mean, they were 
we all lived in the same roof, but it was like we we were in different homes. And did you um, grow up in the South? Or, yeah, okay. yeah, I, I did. I say that as almost as a question because my mom was from California um, and my dad was from Texas, but his parents were from the north. And I don't know that we really had a particularly southern home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so we, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. You're good. We went, uh, oh yeah, that no, not particularly religious. Um, and, and really with my parents, like it, many things, small things became sort of a power struggle and church was one of those things, right? Like my dad went to a particular kind of church when he wanted to go. And then my mom went to a different church when she wanted to go. And I only have like a handful of memories where we went to church together. Really? Um, Yeah. Like less than five, you know, that I would, and I would even be pressed to get that many. Um, But when I was in high school, uh, my mom started going to church more like when I was a freshman, I don't, know what the impetus there was, but, um, we were going more often. My dad would stay at home. Um, so it always felt a little like something was missing, you know, just from the family component. Right. Um, and then even though we went to church, we didn't really talk about things. Um, and then for me though, cause my family life was just becoming more kind of, I I don't want to say chaotic, but unfulfilling maybe Mm. would be a good word. Right. Um, and so I just started investing more in friendships, um, and that became really important to me. And then whenever I was able to drive, uh, church was kind of a way of getting away from home. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, and through that, um, I attended different churches that people had invited me to, um, different faiths, different denominations. So no particular kind of background in any one. Um, but the one I ended up at, uh, going to a lot, a friend of mine invited me and there, what made the difference for me in going there was just a genuine friendship with the student leader there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, he was funny. He was, you know, he, I remember one story he shared where he pretended to, um, sneeze (laughs) and in his napkin, he had all this vanilla pudding. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I still remember that, yeah. you know, it just did me. Jokes are like Listen, the yeah. best dad jokes too. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? And, For sure. And you Physical obviously remembered too. it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. did, did you trust Christ while you were, you know, at that, at that age? Or? Yeah. So, um, and, and I think what's for me, I didn't quite understand that I didn't trust Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, even though I think looking back, Um, Now I kind of understand I was maybe more universalist, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like I kind of thought, well, surely like there's more ways than just this. Um, But I didn't even grow up enough in the church to even recognize that as universalist. Right. Um, But I remember going to this church and this funny, silly guy who really had a genuine kind of faith that I just, I don't know that. Um, I had ever really seen that. He really believed um, it. He really believed He really believed and it affected how he treated people, Yes, you know? And um, I wanted to understand that better. I wanted to get to know him more. And so I remember just going up to his office one day uh, and just saying, hey, can we just meet like once a week and maybe <laughs> I could just ask you questions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even realize, right? right. But yeah, I was like, you have something that I want exactly please teach me and he was like yes absolutely yeah Yeah. and so um through that I realized oh okay so this Christianity thing requires a a decision of faith a decision to believe Mm. in Christ and I was like I don't know that I've ever 
formulated it that way. And I wanted to get baptized. I knew that that was kind of the next step. Um, And I shared with my parents and I remember my mom just saying, Hey, this is something you should really be sure of. So let's just wait a couple months. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, sure. Um, I was like, that makes sense to me. And so I remember it was December. Um, I remember the Sunday that I woke up, I was going to get baptized and it was like, uh, nothing else in the world existed except Mm -hmm. me and God. And it was just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, and just wanting to tear up every five seconds. Right. And then getting baptized and it's just this overwhelming sense of God's presence. Um, but yeah, so that, that's really, I would say probably my conversion. Although I feel like conversion was always like these little steps along the way, you know? Yes. But that was very clear. So, Describe how that's impacted or, or maybe, maybe that one event hasn't, but I mean, just growing up the way you did your style of teaching, kind of describe your style of teaching now and, uh, how that plays out. Yeah. Um, well, and I want to say too, like, so on Sundays back to kind of the volunteer thing and all of that, how do you provide structure that allows people some room? And for me as a youth, um, I, didn't understand when someone was talking to me about sort of a Southern Christian value, yeah. like drinking, yeah. like, and not that I drank, I didn't drink, um, but I didn't drink for personal reasons because I'd seen how it kind of had hurt my family. Right. right? Not because I felt like, Oh, I would be a bad Christian. Right. Um, but hearing this, I was like, I don't understand because you know, Jesus drinks water and wine and they had alcohol like throughout. And it doesn't ever say don't drink. It says, don't get drunk. Like right. these instant things. And so I, I was always like, Let's have a conversation and show me where the text is. I want to understand. Getting familiar with the text. Not importing our own reality. Yeah, exactly. And just think about kids who are in school, you know, they're studying and they're learning those methods. So if they can implement that with scripture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. instead of waiting till you're an adult going, wait, 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 it doesn't actually say that. That's right. You know, now I've got to go back and train my brain to learn. That's right. (laughs) And so what we do on Sundays, and this is a big part of my teaching style, but also translatable to volunteers is we spend a good amount of time just saying observation. Then after we observe everything we can, we go into interpretation. Okay. What do Mm -hmm. those things mean? And then it's application. And that's just the inductive Bible study method, right? Mm -hmm. Observation, interpretation, application. Right. Um, And I think that's, for me, I mean, that's, I don't know that I, I knew that's what I was doing, obviously, you know, at that time. And I think there was a lot of times when I came to the scripture with preconceived notions of what it meant mm-hmm. and was doing some misinterpreting. Um, because I remember just multiple times in talking with someone who was further down the road and being like, oh, whoa, that's, that's what this is. I mm-hmm. see now. Yeah. You know, um, I remember one of the first times. So I was first, like, officially discipled, um, I think first by Greg, your Tracy's husband. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one of the biggest, so I remember a story with him. Um, it was a Bible passage. We were looking at it and it was, um, it was one of the gospels and it was about prayer and Christ is talking about prayer and the persistence of prayer and talks about how, you know, if a man comes at night um, knocking on the door and he needs bread because he has a guest, um, uh, because of his persistence, that guy will act, will finally get out of bed. Um, and in that time, you know, family co-sleeping was part of the culture, right? So he would get up, leave his children, go get what the man needs and all of that. And um, I remember reading that and I've read it before and was like, yes, okay, I got to keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And then I remember Greg saying, <clears throat> who are you in this parable? 
Mm. You are not the man knocking. You're the kid yeah. in the bed with him. Oh, yeah. wow. So yeah. if you say, daddy, I'm thirsty, yeah. how much quicker is he going to respond? Yeah. If he's willing to get up for his neighbor mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, then surely he's willing to get up for you. Mm-hmm. And it was like in that moment, just again, it was like, oh yeah, I, I was observing, but I was jumping to application before mm-hmm. I even understood what this is even telling me. Yeah, yeah I'm taking think, into account everybody in the story. Yes. Yeah. You know? And I think I've learned a lot too by listening to you teach on Sunday mornings. I've had this fear since we've started doing Sunday school on FaceTime. It's mm-hmm. uh, Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And I, I do not want to be recorded on Facebook Live for the generations to look back on. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't yeah. want to do it. So I had Daniel. I sure. Yeah, Daniel sure. That's that. you do yeah. it, which is why but, I had never gone on but, Facebook Live but, at all. But I did. And then three months later, she started a podcast. Yeah, so that's different. Just, don't yes, let that it's, it's different here. Yeah. But, yeah. but the thing is, is that I always have this fear on Sunday mornings that something's going to happen. Daniel's not going to be online. I'm going to have to jump up real quick and do this because I don't want to follow you in that because mm-hmm. you lead that discussion so well and the kids respond so well um, to your questions. And I've, I've been really impressed that they continue to show up even mm. through Zoom just to a- answer those questions. Um, let me ask you this. Um, what is something that you would like to see widen in our ministry mm-hmm. at Crosspoint mm-hmm. Fellowship and mm-hmm. the youth ministry specifically? I mean, I think that this would be in church in general, right? But I, I feel that we don't know how to interact with or provide for special need kids Mm -hmm. or adults even. Right. I think that, I think that in the church global, um, well, no, no, I'd say, say America for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, is that if someone sort of acts different, um, we, we kind of instantly sort of remove ourselves or back away a little bit. We don't know how to interpret it. And Mm -hmm. I think that part of that is we, we literally don't know what's going on. Right. We don't understand it. So we kind of back up. And I think that um, so my family, we uh, exist because of uh, foster care and adoption. Mm -hmm. Right. We've two of our kids are adopted. Um, One of my kids, biological kids, has um, autism. Mm -hmm. Right. He's on the spectrum. So we've been exposed in our family time to a lot of different behaviors. And I can see how those behaviors really kind of isolate the kids who have them. Mm, yeah. um, and I I don't blame people. Like, I get it. Like, if I was in eighth grade and someone started kind of fidgeting or, mm-hmm. or having a tick or something, I, I wouldn't have understood what that was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or kind of mistaking um, behavior for something personal, like, mm-hmm, right. um, and not really understanding, oh, this doesn't have to do with me. This has to do with them. They're having a hard time because of X, Y, Z. So I think that that's where I, I would love for us to kind of expand. I think mm-hmm. that um, kids that are on the spectrum, not just autism, but other spectrums as well, mm-hmm. um, are just becoming more and more prevalent in the church body, um, in our local body, but also just overall. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, selfishly, I, I would love our, mm-hmm. our youth ministry to widen more in that. Um, I'd love, like there are times when my kid, is somewhere and I see some interaction that the other kids around him just don't have a category for. Right, right. And I just want to like pause everything and say, here's what's going on. Yeah. You help, know, let me just explain Let me help this. you understand. Yeah. Did you grow up? Did you have any interaction with special needs of any type? Um, that's a great question. Or was that more in adulthood? I think probably more adulthood. Okay. I, I don't remember 
that I was aware of sure. students around me or friends that had special needs. I did have a friend, one of my really good friends growing up who was adopted mm-hmm. and we'd have some hard conversations that I never really understood till now looking back being like, Oh yeah, that's really common for kids who've, right. who've had to kind yeah. of leave their biological family. Um, but yeah, so it's more adulthood, Adult. I would say. Yeah. So because, you know, you're only with the kids for so much of the week, this mm-hmm. would go more into homes. And we, you know, mm-hmm. believe that families disciple their kids, you know, parents yeah, disciple yeah. their kids. So how, like, where do you see parents stepping into this role to help the understanding, right. how to interact with special needs, how to, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think that, I think that's where I would start even, right, is with parents. Yes. Yeah. is just educating. Because I think mm-hmm. those who are in it know their experience, mm-hmm. right? And and I'll say too, like in our experience, there's been moments where, uh, or seasons, where we were just overwhelmed by the behaviors that we had mm-hmm. to deal with mm-hmm. um, and manage. And so looking at this from kind of an objective standpoint even was beyond what we could even do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now we've been in it for years and we've got some experience and got some education, right? right? So I'd say like education for the parents who deal with it directly as well as the parents who don't. Right. One of the things that you said earlier that um, relates to this is talking about um, it it triggered this idea of Southern Mm. hospitality and Southern niceties that Mm. sometimes I think in the South, we carry a lot of that over into church behavior Mm -hmm. and, you know, moralism and all of that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. and if you have kids and, and who who experience early trauma, things that change their neurochemistry, uh, maybe fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, any type of autism, even anxiety, depressive disorder, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Um, we have to really begin to train um, our our community as a whole because mm-hmm. we yeah. see our community as a family. Right. So training our entire family, our entire church culture that what we label as bad behaviors or rude behaviors are not necessarily sinful behaviors. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, if, if you can understand why someone's doing what they're doing, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're being rude to you or they're being sinful or anything like that. It just means that maybe they're, they're getting too much input at one time. Yep. And it has caused us to say, okay, as we move into this next season in our youth ministry, um, how do we make that Wednesday night time look? From food mm-hmm. all the way to do we do all of the, you know, the big activities outside and then we transition inside where there's a real uh, time of calming down. Yeah. Mm. You know, those types yep. of things. Yep. And so you and I have had extensive conversations about this. And so um, I guess uh, one of the questions I would ask is um, anything specific that you feel like parents would need not just in working with special needs, but just just how to train parents as a whole in working with their children mm-hmm. right. um, that, yeah. that the church or, or youth ministry could provide for them. Anything you recommend? I mean, the biggest thing I think is that, that I think of off the top of my head, which, you know, tonight at 2 a.m. I'll probably be like, no, no, we should have said this. But right. um, at least for now, like I think that especially families in the church, I think it's important to distinguish between the sinner and then the kid that you have. I think that what I see a lot is a confusion of these things, right? That, oh, they did this, so they're a sinner. Let's address the sin. Right. Whereas, like, with my own kids, like, one of the things that I do that I think is really helpful for the kid and for me is I say, okay, what's going on? And usually the answer is, I don't know. Um, and then right. I said, okay, well, let's think through. You've got a body, right? You've got a brain. Yeah. 
and you've got feelings. Mm -hmm. Let's think through each of these. Right. So one, let's listen to our body. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Do you think you're hungry? Do you think you're tired? Mm -hmm. Is there any part of you that hurts? Right. Um, brain. Um, what are you thinking about right now? Yeah. What comes to your head? What's going on right now? What, at what point, what were you thinking of whenever you first started getting upset? Mm -hmm. Right. And then feelings. Um, and I think that this sort of provides categories that even a, a younger kid can kind of understand. Even adults need to understand. Yeah, I was and about even to say, adults. adults, I feel like I need to write those three things on my yes. mirror just right. to go, okay, buddy. Because <laughs> yep. brain, our families, families are, are very similar, your family right. and my family. And so we have discussed this numerous times mm -hmm. with um, this idea that, that uh, Dr. Purvis, you know, has really pushed home in the connected child. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then, you know, Peter Brosson as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of the whole brain job. Yeah. yeah, and I think that um, this idea that all behavior is communication. Mm -hmm. So rather than getting mad and getting angry and responding in a reactive way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. toward a child when they do something that is just like they have flipped their lid, literally. Right. Yeah. That we need to stop and say, okay, you know, why did they do this? What are they trying to communicate? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. listen. I mean, youth ministers, youth workers, they're human. You know, I have a friend that got fired from a church because he wound up, he wound up you know, hitting a, a youth because oh, the kid man. got in his face and he was trying to push him back and, you know, he hit him. Yeah. That's not a, a random story. That happens all yeah. the time, you know, things like that. And I know that's awful, but it, it is one of those things that we have to say, okay, we're, we're the adult so when we have some erratic behaviors that are taking place, we've got to be able to kind of yeah. assess the situation pretty quickly. And I think too, I think confusing those things with center, right? Exactly. Is, mm -hmm. is you miss all these opportunities, yes. right? I think whoever, whoever responds to, um, calm down, like being yeah. yelled at and that actually works. works. Right. Yeah. right. Um, we're not teaching the kid anything. We're not teaching ourselves anything. Right. Honestly, like whenever I have this conversation with my own kids, like I am actively listening and usually I can find something that I mean, I'm a detective, right? Right. And I'm like, Oh, you haven't drunk or eaten anything for seven hours. I bet right. that's what this is. Right. And the thing is, is with learning, like your brain, um, like I think of Maslow's Maslow, I, yeah, I'm missing hierarchy. that the hierarchy of needs, right? That, um, if you can't even, figure out what you're going to eat tomorrow, you're not going to be thinking about what does my life mean and what good should I do? Well, I think like, let's lower that to um, if my kid just hit another kid and is in their downstairs brain, um, they aren't going to understand, Hey, right. this is sin, mm -hmm. right? If they're still hungry, right? Like we can have that conversation, but let's address these areas first mm -hmm. so that then they can understand. Now let's work back. Yeah, getting to a place right. that they can even understand why they did what they did. Yes. And the church yeah. is for these students too. Uh -huh. Yeah, yes. They're, Jesus came for these students in the same way he came for, you know, neurotypical children and, and you know, yep. all the in-between. Mm -hmm. And so we have to figure out a way to love um love individuals who think differently than us mm -hmm. and, and walk with them because, you know, they may not be able to produce the behavior changes that we normally look at to say, Oh yeah, they're, you know, these followers of Jesus, they may always have some limitations. Mm -hmm. They may always spend the money wrong that we give them to get them out of a the situation. They may <laughs> yeah. always make the choice 
that we would never make. Mm-hmm. And we still we still need to offer Christ and walk with them. And then our there are you know our brother and sister and yeah. Lord. So. And even yeah, neurotypical, right? right? Yes. Not, not you know, a, not just atypical. Yes. Right. Like yes. learning to have these conversations. Like, exactly. Yeah. With the other students as well. Training oh, the other yes. students yes. as to how to move and uh-huh. be a buddy to someone. Yeah. yeah. So taking all of this into account, mm. here's our big question. Uh oh. Okay. What would you tell Daniel at nine years old? Uh, when I was nine, invest in Apple. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, so at nine, it's so funny because just thinking, I was thinking about this. Like at nine, like I had so much fear, like mm-hmm. so much fear, and I wouldn't say don't be afraid because I don't think that would do anything, right? Mm-hmm. I think I would say, look, you are amazing, mm-hmm. and it may take you a few years to really realize that, but just know that's true. Mm-hmm. You are amazing. You were created by God, and you were just like a plant. Mm-hmm. Like you're just going to grow. Yeah. You're going to grow. Yeah. So don't, and I don't asked nine that. because that informs the, the eighth grade self, the ninth grade yes. self, the high school Absolutely. into college. So what would you tell that version of Daniel? The Marketing high school, college age, um, young adult. Yes. I remember in high school and college, like I just wanted to know what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think taking that analogy of the plant, like, because I remember wishing so badly that I had an older sibling. I was the oldest mm-hmm. and I just wanted to see someone else go through these things first before I did. Right. right. Um, and again, I would say, you know, a plant doesn't have a handbook. It just grows. Mm-hmm. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Even though you don't have a handbook, but Hey, guess what? No one has a handbook. Everybody's just guessing, <laughs> yeah. right. Exactly. Doing the best they can. And you're going to do the best you can. And I think, I think the other thing just for both of them, right? Cause none of these have to do with God, but I would say like, um, I would say the Lord sees you, mm-hmm. the Lord sees you yeah. and he cares. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you can, you can stand on that. Yeah. We need that then. And we need that yes. as full grown adults and yep. as 90 Always. Year olds, yep. you know, that's right. Okay. Well, Daniel, thank you for being here today. Thank you. And, let me speak for all of us. We think you are amazing and we learn from you every day. So, um, well, I actually, I do have one thing to say. Of course. I have a Daniel story. I know I always uh, have one more thing to say <laughs> just because I'm not in the youth ministry per se, more mm-hmm. with young adults. And so I don't get to interact with you. Sadly, maybe I should just start showing up, but I will say one story. And I know that I know the youth love you because you're just so welcoming, just mm-hmm. characteristically, but because Todd is a firefighter, sometimes he works on Christmas. Wow. And I don't know if it, was, it wasn't this past Christmas. I think mm-hmm. it was the one before. Mm-hmm. I was talking to the Donaldsons at, I think, Christmas Eve service. And they were like, just come over. Mm-hmm. Like, what? On, they were like, yeah, just come over. We'll just be opening presents and having breakfast. Right. I straight went to their house <laughs> on Christmas Day. Daniel had this, like, spread. Spread. This breakfast food. spread, it yeah. Because he's an amazing cook. Yes, he is. He sent a plate of it to Todd to the fire station. Oh, so yeah. just based on that one experience, that and funny. I know there's more than that, <laughs> but I know those kids, you'll be the person that one day they say, yes, my youth pastor growing up. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. He's great. He's you great. may not blow your nose with pudding. Yeah. Thank God. But yeah. <laughs> that will never happen. No. <laughs> but I know you're making a huge impact and Crosspoint as a whole is really grateful for what you're doing. Yeah. Yes. Appreciate so. that.
So we are thankful that you were here today to talk to us. But thanks so much for listening, everyone. And don't forget, we want to hear from you too. So if you have people you want us to interview or topics to talk about, follow us on Instagram at the underscore UCAST or email us at the UCAST at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you later. Thank you.